Tuesday, the 14th of November. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are our life and our resurrection. God of life eternal, we place all our hope in you. Hear our prayers in our last hours and bring us to heaven with you. Source of all joy, consolation, and sorrow, receive the souls of the faithful departed into your everlasting rest. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and may perpetual light shine upon them. Father of all who are perfectly just and perfectly merciful, remember your covenant with your children, that those souls who linger in purgatory for their purification may be swiftly drawn to perfect happiness with the saints in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday, the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad you're here with us on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got uh, got our video feed up and running so that you can watch us, if you feel so led, through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. No, it's not that Travis, but it is a Travis. Rita Heikenfeld has some recipes for you to help get your Thanksgiving banquet uh, on track before everybody gets there. She's got some great make-ahead stuff this morning. Marlon De La Torre will join us from knowingisdoing.org. Uh, Father Sebastian Walsh uh, is going to talk about the Beatitudes today. We'll also look at the ancient city of Alexandria and how it was an early center of Christianity with Mike Aquilina. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Biden administration is saying Israel must not reoccupy Gaza when the conflict between Israel and Hamas comes to an end. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller told reporters there should be no reoccupation or reduction in Gaza territory. This coming after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel will retain overall security control in Gaza. He also said he does not support a Palestinian Authority-led government after the war ends breaking with the Biden administration's position. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed for the indiscriminate bombing of Gaza to stop. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The Custos of the Holy Land, Father Francesco Patton, has reiterated that the fighting in the Strip must spare civilian lives. Tutti quanti per far Everyone must cooperate to stop the bombing of civilians. We must begin to consider the human person as sacred again. The Italian Franciscan friar participated in the 16th day of the Association of the Holy Land, which took place at the Pontifical University Antonianum in Rome on the 11th of November. In an interview he granted to Vatican News on the sidelines of the event, Father Patton stressed the urgent need to save and protect all human lives, which he recalled are sacred for Jews, Christians and Muslims. Asked about the situation of the small Christian community living under the bombs in Gaza, most of which is currently sheltering in the Roman Catholic Church of the Holy Family, Father Patton expressed his hope that at least places of worship are respected. 
as for the future the cassas said he feared that once the war is over there will be a new exodus of christians for many no longer feel safe especially those who have families who do not want their children to grow up in an environment of hatred he explained however father paton highlighted that it is vital for christians to stay also noting that they have an important role to play as bridges between palestinians and israelis if they leave he said the space for coexistence will be further reduced i am lisa zingarini a british infant has died after being taken off life support by court order the Catholic News Agency reports that Indy Gregory died in her mother's arms in hospice in the overnight hours Monday. She was eight months old. The Italian government had granted her Italian citizenship and offered to pay to have her transported to the Vatican Children's Hospital, Bambino Gesù. But her parents lost their appeal in court and she was taken off life support over the weekend. The U.S. bishops begin their fall general assembly in earnest today. They gathered together for mass and prayer in Baltimore yesterday on the feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. The mass was offered for peace and reconciliation in a troubled world. USCCB Pres- President Archbishop Timothy Broglio said in his homily, quote, St. Francis Cabrini even obliged the poor to give from their poverty to help those more needy than they. It was also a way of insisting on the dignity of all and the common responsibility for others. It is a message that is very appropriate today and every day, he said. Charity demands our attention to the little ones, the weak, the simple, fraternal correction and unlimited pardon to those who ask, end quote. The public sessions of the bishop's meeting will take place today and tomorrow and will be live streamed on the U.S. bishop's site. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries is suggesting Democrats could support the Republican stopgap bill to prevent a government shutdown on Friday. Over the weekend, House Speaker Mike Johnson laid out a short-term plan to extend government funding through February. On Monday, Jeffries sent a letter to all House Democrats saying, quote, we are carefully evaluating the proposal set forth by Republican leadership and discussing it with members, end quote. The House is set to take up Johnson's bill this week. And new consumer price numbers will be out this morning. Analysts are expecting they will show inflation cooling. The consensus is that prices rose a tenth of a percent in October over September and 3.3 percent over the same time last year. The report will factor heavily into the Federal Reserve's next decision on interest rates. Today is Tuesday, November the 14th. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. We'll be back with Rita Heikenfeld right after this. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. 
Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. It's time for Bible Foods. Rita, how are you? I'm good, and boy, this is, I always think of All Souls Day, beginning of the holiday season when we start getting our pantries ready for the big day. Well, the Thanksgiving holiday is coming up, and, you know, to me, it's so easy to connect this idea of All Souls Day with food. Uh, You know, I have in, you know, my little shelf in my kitchen i got a, a a church cookbook from my grandmother right and i think you've probably got who knows how many scraps of paper from people who've gone on before and you know those when you break out those old family recipes it's a good reminder to you know kind of remember those people in prayer oh yeah those you know those recipes they call them cemetery um holy recipes and you're exactly right because they're usually hand and meaningful too and you know they work Indeed they do. Otherwise, we wouldn't still have them around. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people preparing, hopefully a little bit in advance so Thanksgiving doesn't sneak up on them. And they'll be using a lot of familiar seasonal herbs and spices, some of which show up in the Bible. So share a couple of those with us. Yeah. Um, there, oh, my goodness. More than uh, quite a few. Um, uh, and some of these I'm going to use in this wonderful recipe for do-ahead uh, gravy that I share every year. Uh, bay tree, you think about bay, and um, the bay tree during biblical times, Matt, as you know, was a symbol of wickedness, um, or even conversely, distinction and wealth. And the Romans believed that if you, uh, that lightning never struck the bay tree, so sometimes they wore crowns of its leaves uh, during thunderstorms to protect themselves. But here's the deal about bay. Um, if you've got bay, dried bay in your uh, pantry, take a dried bay leaf before you use it. Just pour a little boiling water over it in a cup. Let it infuse for a minute and give it a sniff. If there's no aroma, there's no flavor, so you need to buy new bay leaves. All right, that's a great tip because I've never known exactly how to tell when those bay leaves are done. <laughs> yeah. Because you, know, you, you get them sometimes in, like, the big container. Uh, but sage is one. That, I mean, it's hard for me to not think about sage when it's this time of year. I mean, sage makes a stuffing. Oh, my goodness, yeah, and it seems like everybody uses it. It's a lovely, really warming herb. And, you know, there's a passage in Exodus that talks about a golden lampstand with branches that extend out from the stem. And um, biblical scholars, Matt, believe that that passage uh, refers to sage. Um, And the reason is, if you look at the menorah, the lampstand, when there's a Judean sage plant, and if you press it flat, um, you can see the stem and then the uh, six, the three branches on either side. So that's likened to the menorah. But then here's the deal about sage. Um, unlike a lot of different herbs, I think sage has a stronger flavor, fresh than dried. I don't know about you. So um, if I use uh, fresh sage, I use um, less, actually. So it's the one herb that most of us, as you said, use in stuffing uh, for our turkey. But go to taste on sage because usually dried herbs have a stronger flavor because the moisture's out. But to me, sage has a, a stronger flavor fresh. So what do you think about that? Well, I agree. And uh, one trick that I've done a couple times, I might do it again this year, is if I'm adding sage to like a stuffing and I'm one for like a really savory one. 
Sometimes I will chop up the fresh sage and saute it in a little butter till it gets kind of crispy, and then I add it in. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's amazing. No, what a good idea, because then that flavor really infuses, and it won't be so strong. Good idea. Good stuff. Speaking of which, by the way, I mm-hmm. I always pick more time than I use, because I love just, like, you know, stripping the stripping the stems, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the smell. Like, the time is one that you can smell, like, a couple rooms away. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it still grows wild um, in the hills of Jerusalem. And it was used by the Egyptians actually in in embalming as well as flavoring for meats. And it's one of the herbs um, that is really integral to this do-ahead gravy recipe. All right, so so let's get into this gravy recipe because this is the kind of thing that somebody could get started on now uh, and then, you know, be able to freeze it and then break it back out when it's time to use it. So tell us what's, uh, what's in this. Yeah, and this, this is really one of my favorite recipes, too. I'm just going to give general information. I'll have the exact recipe on my site. You're going to take some turkey wings. Uh, you're going to heat the oven to 400, and then in a big roasting pan, um, you're going to toss together some turkey wings, some onion, carrots, celery, with a little bit of olive oil or oil, um, and then just toss those together. And then you're going to add uh, some thyme and a little bit of salt and pepper. And all you're going to do is roast until that turkey's golden brown and cooked through. And that takes about one and a half hours, one and a fourth hours. Then you're just going to remove the turkey and veggies. Um, and if there's any pan drippings, just strain those out and pour them in a measuring cup. And then you're going to take that roasting pan with all those good brown bits and just put it over the stove, the burners. And then you're going to either add some wine or chicken broth, um, and you're going to scrape up those brown bits, and you're going to pour that into the measuring cup with any pan juices. And then you won't have enough uh, to make four cups is, is what our goal is. So you're just going to add enough chicken broth to make four cups. That's about it. Um, that's your base. And then to make the gravy, you're going to melt some butter um, and, you know, cook a little flour with it, and then gradually whisk in that four cups of very flavorful um, liquid and i always put a bay leaf in there too and maybe a little more time you just bring it to a boil um until it's thick strain it out if you need to season it to taste you can freeze it up to a month or refrigerate it up to a week it's fabulous and then be sure and add any drippings from your turkey if you got them it sounds amazing. And, of course, it, it goes into this whole make-ahead idea, something you talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. If you do some smart prep, then when your guests are actually there, you're not running around like a crazy person like poor Martha. You get to spend some merry time with your guests. Yes, yes. So. Good analogy. Well, Rita, we've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you again soon. Yep, we'll share more recipes next week. All right, thank you so much, Rita. Let's check on weather for the nation while we got a moment. Uh, looks like we've got rain showers across interior portions of the northeast, wet snow or a mix of snow, sleet, and freezing rain freezing rain in the higher elevations. A low-pressure system will bring rain showers to the southern plains during the morning and early afternoon, as well as rain and thunderstorms for the central Gulf Coast and all of Florida. Rain will become increasingly likely across northern California throughout the day, while wet snow or a rain and snow mix will fall in the mountains. There'll be a smaller chance for rain and mountain snow showers across the interior northwest and northern Rockies. But you can expect dry weather for the Great Basin southwest, as well as the central and southern Rockies, northern and central plains, Midwest, Great Lakes, Ohio Valley, and Mid-Atlantic. Again, all those are going to have a dry day. And that is your geography lesson for the morning. We're back with headlines after this. It's a quarter past.
Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. I come from a family of 16. Ryan, Michael, Levi, Caleb, Noah, Titus, Timothy, Josiah, Elijah, Becca, Emma, Bethany, Hannah, Grace, Ruth, Christiana. I was really encouraged when I was listening to uh, your radio station, and I just think everything you were saying was absolutely true. And I just thought I should call in and let you know that. And that there's still hope out there. There is indeed hope out there. Now, I don't know what the numbers are like, but I bet you we got somebody else out there who's got that many kids. However, some of us who have way less than that still would not be able to pull off that name string. That's pretty impressive. That was an impressive impressive name string. Yeah, it really was. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed for indiscriminate bombing of Gaza to stop. And meanwhile... Israeli forces to continue to advance in Gaza. The U.S. bishops begin their fall General Assembly in earnest today in Baltimore, and more than 55 million Americans are expected to travel 50 miles or more for Thanksgiving this year. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And speaking of Thanksgiving, of course, we just talked to Rita Heikenfeld. We'll talk to her again uh, later this week with more recipe ideas. Next hour, we're going to be talking with Giovanna Trimpey and Jane Murphy about mm-hmm. their Holy Chow Hospitality uh, cookbook. But as we're uh, putting together hospitality to our, you know, the people who are going to be showing up at our house, uh, this is also a great reminder that you've got through your parish or through the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, uh, or any number of wonderful ministries. I know there's the Parish Kitchen in the Diocese of Covington. you got a really great opportunity uh, this time of year. Um, there are actually usually heightened opportunities yeah. uh, to look out for your neighbors in need. So uh, I'd say just check around, see who's accepting car donations. I know St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, is uh, looking for coats right now as the weather's mm-hmm. changing. Uh, we talked to the Diocese of Covington. They're looking for bicycles that you can bring in yep. and repair. Sleeping bags. Give people transportation. Uh, just enormous opportunities. And w- when you give to those organizations, those parish-based organizations like the St. Vincent de Paul Parish Councils, uh, those go back into the neighborhood you live in. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, so at the kids' school, Mini Vinnies. The Mini Vinnies, the, the Mini, Mini Vincent DePauls. Yeah, the 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 Mini Vinnies um, are are doing a canned food drive at school, and I bet a lot of schools, even if you don't have a Mini Vinnies chapter. Um, I bet a lot of schools are doing that. Roma and I were talking about how she's gonna she's gonna use a little of her first communion money from last oh, wow. spring to go out and and get to pick out some of the the food that she wants to donate to Minnie Vinny's kiddos. That's a great way to use some allowance, or you know maybe you've been mowing lawns, or you know who knows paper maybe routes. Maybe you got. $3 for every A and $2 but, for every B on your latest report card. Yeah, and you know, those canned goods. I never goods, got that, but I heard it was happening. Canned goods only cost, you know, 60, 75 cents. Although maybe I'm going to go dollar. with what Annie always says here. Don't go buy the worst stuff off the manager special in the dented can. You get what you would eat. Absolutely. You pick your favorite mac and cheese. Roma wants to donate Skyline. I mean, come on. Pretty cool, right? Mom, can we there get you Skyline? Donate the kinds of things that you would eat. Yes. It's 21 past. Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. The prophet Elijah is known to just about everyone. Just mention his name, and people will probably say, oh yes, he's the one who went up to heaven in the fiery chariot. But mention the name of Obadiah, and people will probably draw a blank. Or they may know there is a book by that name in the Bible, but I'm talking about another Obadiah. He was a contemporary of the great prophet Elijah. He was the leader of a kind of resistant movement against the faithless king Ahab. Ahab and Jezebel were determined to eliminate all prophets from Israel. Obadiah, a high-ranking official in the royal court, risked his life to protect 100 prophets, hiding them in remote places somewhere in the kingdom. No small achievement. A drought was on, yet this man was providing for so many at his own expense. In a world so oblivious, even hostile to the things of God, Obadiah stood committed to the preservation of what was holy. He is before our reader's eyes for just 16 verses, but such a brief appearance makes a big impact in the record of the Bible. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus, where they cheer for a certain scarlet and gray football team. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. So you have a, a post uh, that you put up mm-hmm. recently at Knowing is Doing about um, the idea of trusting in God. But there's another word that's in the mix of this article that really jumped out to me, um, mm-hmm. the idea of seeing God as refuge. I think trust and refuge, I mean, they're connected, but they've, they've kind of got a little bit 
sort of different connotations. Um, they do. But, but what do we mean? Uh, and what are you trying to get at when you're talking about uh, reminding ourselves to trust in God? I think that there's a, um, I mean, the, the, the premise of the piece is with this uh, individual that came into my office uh, many, many years ago. And uh, what I was trying to do is he, he wanted to know, I mean, whether he can trust in God. And what I told him was, uh, after a long, delayed conversation, and we just looked at each other, I said, look, um, what have you done to, to serve others in need? And, and what I was trying to get at is, all right, uh, how are you serving those who may not want to be served, or how are you representing those who are less fortunate than you? And so when you get down to the premise of that point is uh, we are called to to try to see something beyond ourselves. So look at the divine and that the divine really exists in order to, to help us seek uh, answers to those questions. It may sound a little bit uh, abstract, but uh, our, our Lord always extends the hand and when we seek and uh, really dive into his love, uh, there is a refuge that comes into it. There is something that, that is very caring and nurturing about our Lord because we are his children. And sometimes when we're trying to seek God or trying to figure out whether he loves us or not, we, we tend to forget that it's not just a question that he loves you, but the fact that will we be a little bit vulnerable in allowing ourselves to be uh, accepted by him? Do we see him as a refuge, as somebody who's consoling? not just the omnipotent God himself. Of course he is. And so there's an interplay layer where, where you have this invitation of faith. And in that invitation, uh, our, our Lord will always be our refuge. He will always be our guiding light. And sometimes we forget that, even in, in the basic premise of evangelization or conversation. So we want to invite someone to seek him as this uh, beautiful refuge. So that's where that whole premise is coming from. You know, and that's that's why I like uh, that nuance between trust and refuge, because mm. uh, do you trust God almost kind of sounds like, do you trust that this next weird decision you've got to make that you're not yeah. sure how it's going to work out, that God's going to make exactly. it work out? Uh, whereas, mm. uh, do you find refuge in God? Uh, mm -hmm. It's like, no matter the circumstance, do you know where your strength comes from? Do you know Bingo. where your consolation resides? Do you know mm -hmm. where um, to stand uh, while it's storming outside, <laughs> so, I mean that's kind of the concept of refuge. I find refuge in my house when yeah. uh, that whole season between October and Easter, which I refer to as winter, happens. Yeah. Right, I find refuge in my house. Am I finding refuge in God? Mm -hmm. Exactly, and and for a lot of us, that that's a very difficult concept. We can say we believe in God. God, give us what we need. God, we believe you. We adore you. We exalt you. All those things are are, are prevalent and important in our relationship with Him. But when it comes down to this whole understanding of our Lord and through his son, Jesus Christ, do we actually trust that he will protect us? Do we actually trust that we can find refuge in him and really uh, endear ourselves to God? That's the hard part. I think that's the challenge. And anybody who's involved in the, uh, I guess, in, in the process of the journey of evangelization or just having a conversation with someone who doesn't believe, this particular gentleman I dealt with was really a pagan. He, he had no concept of God was very into the self-fulfillment ideology. All right, what's in it for me? What can I gain? And when he came to me, I just simply asked him, all right, look, if this is what you are, that's fine. We can discuss this all you want. But ultimately, your question is going to be predicated on the fact that do you seek him in any way as a refuge? Do you trust him enough 
to to be to allow yourself to be embraced by him and, and that's what shook him that's like well wait a minute i uh, i take care of myself I, I don't need him for this i just need him for that whatever that is yeah it's and like uh, so, treating god like your plumber or triple a like bingo uh god's not going to be involved in my life until i blow a bingo. tire right then exactly. then i'll then i'll refl- then i'll fall back on it right it's correct it, it, it is it's treating god like a uh like a service industry mm-hmm. uh, yes. or, or like a, a repair man um and god wants more from us than that he does i mean he's very very utilitarian so to speak i mean it was a utility for him is it look uh, ultimately uh who are you going to serve and how are you going to serve how you treat someone else really reflects how you view god in essence and that and that kind of put him someone in the, in the back corner and made him very nervous to so look once you see that outlook that like god is the ultimate refuge which means ultimate trust and surrender then you'll see why i'm asking you that question and for all of us even you and i i mean we see that every day we see that struggle every day amongst ourselves and our colleagues uh being involved in and speaking well of our lord and when we do that that means that we have a, a refuge in him that he will guide us to continue to speak well of him. That's the beauty of, of the ministries that we're involved in. And so uh, I think this was very pointed for, for this character, Steve, a uh, real life person here who uh, eventually understood that and came home to the church and really had an, a, an attraction to serve from that point forward. So uh, part of that beauty of refuge in our Lord is, is not seen as a utility, but the fact that he will nurture and care for you if you allow him. Well, and as we're heading into these uh, times when we're supposed to be, be giving thanks for the, the bounty that God has given us, uh, even if it's just a little bit of bounty, right? There's, everybody's going to do their best to celebrate somehow some kind of gratitude and go around the table. But that should be extended then. If we have found that kind of refuge and blessing for God, then we need to turn around and figure out how to provide that refuge and blessing for somebody else. Because mm, Jesus says, amen. you know, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now you Absolutely. must go love one another. <laughs> right? It's, it's right. kind of all pays forward in the end. Marlon De La Torre, if our listeners want to connect with you and read your stuff, where do they do so? They can connect at knowingisdoing.org. All right, Marlon, have a great day. You too, Matt. God bless. Go Bucks. And while you're at sunrisemorningshow.com main page, you'll see a place where you can subscribe, enter your email, get show notes delivered to your inbox daily, links to the video stream, links to books, links to the prayers that we use occasionally at the top of the hour, and even links to Rita's recipes. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed for the indiscriminate bombing of Gaza to stop, saying life is sacred. Father Francesco Paton spoke to Vatican News and expressed fear that the small Christian population in the Holy Land will dwindle even further with a new exodus from the region once the conflict ends. He said, quote, Christians must be deeply convinced that being Christian in the Holy Land and throughout the Middle East is a special calling, a kind of vocation and not a curse. But he said, quote, many no longer feel safe, especially those who have families who do not want their children to grow up in an environment of hatred where there is no mutual acceptance between people of different ethnic and religious backgrounds, end quote. Meanwhile, the White House is saying an American toddler is among the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. 
Mark Mayfield reports. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters a three-year-old U.S. citizen whose parents were killed by the militant group during the October the 7th attacks in Israel is believed to be among the more than 200 hostages. Sullivan said securing the release of all hostages is a paramount priority for President Biden. A small number of hostages have been released so far since the start of the war last month. I'm Mark Mayfield. A British infant has died after being taken off life support by court order. The Catholic News Agency reports Indy Gregory died in her mother's arms in hospice in the overnight hours Monday. She was eight months old. The Italian government had granted her Italian citizenship and offered to pay to have her transported to the Vatican Children's Hospital, Bambino Gesù. But her parents lost their appeal in a U.K. court and she was taken off life support over the weekend. The U.S. bishops begin their fall general assembly in earnest today. They gathered together for mass and prayer in Baltimore yesterday on the feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. The public sessions of their meetings begin this morning and will run through tomorrow and will be live streamed on the USCCB website. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the School Sisters of Notre Dame, thanking them for making Christ visible by their faith, hope, and charity. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Recalling the foundress's legacy, the Pope told the sisters, it is my hope that you will continue to draw inspiration from the legacy of your foundress, whose anniversary of beatification occurs on the 17th of November, the closing date of their general chapter. The Pope said that this is his hope, especially as they gather to give thanks to Almighty God for his blessings past and present and to discern the future path of their congregation. Blessed Teresa's life, the Pope said, was a testament to the transformative power of faith, the courage to forge new paths, and dedication to educating young people. Recalling that she grounded the congregation in the Eucharist, anchored and in poverty, and dedicated it to Mary, the Pope praised the sisters and their congregation for walking in her footsteps. This firm foundation, the Pope highlighted, has allowed the school sisters of Notre Dame to go out into the whole world and bear witness to the gospel, making Christ visible by their presence, faith, hope, and charity. The Pope praised the sisters for long having been pioneers in embracing the prophetic dimension of consecrated life, which is a living memorial of Jesus' way of living and acting. Your dedication in this regard, the Pope said, is a sign not only of the gift you have made of yourselves to the Lord, but also of your availability to serve in Him. The Holy Father invited them to discern how they can more effectively bear witness to the joy of the gospel. Pope Francis concluded by thanking the sisters for their visit and praying that the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church, protect and help them and be their sure guide on the path. La Virgen Maria, Madre de la Chiesa, vi protega. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. More than 55 million Americans are expected to travel 50 miles or more for Thanksgiving this year. Mark Mayfield has more. That's according to projections from AAA. It's an increase of a little more than 2% from last year and the third highest forecast for the holiday since AAA began tracking it in 2000. Most will drive to their destinations, nearly 2% more compared to 2022. And 4.7 million travelers will fly. That's an increase of more than 6.5% compared to last Thanksgiving. I'm Mark Mayfield. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries is suggesting that Democrats could support the Republicans' stopgap bill to prevent a government shutdown on Friday. Over the weekend, House Speaker Mike Johnson laid out a short-term plan to extend government funding through February. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes. The 
Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what do you call those graces or gifts by which we believe in him, hope in him, and love him? These gifts or graces of God are called the divine virtues of faith, hope, and charity. There are certain things we can know about God on our own. By studying the stars, by looking at the movements of the world, we can come to recognize the existence of God. This is shown in the proofs of St. Thomas Aquinas, and this is taught in Vatican I. And yet, this does not reach the level of faith. Faith is something beyond us. In order to believe in God, I need God's help. In order to hope for salvation, I too need God's help because I'm so liable to despair or to presumption. And finally, even in order to love God, I need God's love first to be poured into my heart. Let us then thank the Lord for giving us those very gifts by which we know him, hope in him, and love his eternal beauty. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Sebastian Walsh. He's a Norbertine father at St. Michael's Abbey in California and author of Heart of the Gospel, How the Beatitudes Show Us God's Plan for Happiness. It's from Catholic Answers Press. Father, welcome back. Thank you, Annie. Good to be back. So we're continuing to lay the foundations today to have a better understanding of the Beatitudes and the importance of them for understanding uh, the good news of Christ. And honestly, Father, I'm not sure that all of us really even understand exactly what beatitude means. Uh, we know they're sayings from sure. Jesus, but beyond that, you know, what are they? Sure. So I, uh, I think the last time we talked, I mentioned that the name beatitude, you know, refers to a kind of a div- divine happiness. But if you ask what is a beatitude in the sense of the eight Beatitudes, you know, what Jesus is preaching um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. There, what you're talking about is, it's a a brief instruction from our Lord in Scripture, which is given in, it's a kind of a poetic form, you'll notice, right? And it teaches us how to find true and lasting divine happiness. So it's actually, a Beatitude in this sense is an instruction from our Lord, huh? Um, And in addition to that, what you find is each beatitude has two parts. Mm-hmm. It's got a condition for merit and then a promised reward. So, for example, um, blessed are the poor in spirit. So being poor in spirit is a condition for merit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's the reward, you see. So each of those beatitudes 
tells us exactly what we need to do in order to obtain that divine and lasting happiness. Yeah, it's super interesting, especially when you look at the Gospel of Luke, when he has those corresponding woes. Yes. So um, it's interesting because, as you say, uh, Matthew doesn't have woes. Luke does have woes. And um, Matthew does, at the end, in chapter, I think it's 23 of Matthew, hmm. he has a list of woes, but he doesn't put them together with the Beatitudes. But Luke definitely does, and I think there's a good reason for that. Um, he wants to teach us that we can't sit on the fence. You know, sometimes we think, well, those seem really hard, those Beatitudes, being poor and hungry and persecuted. Um Maybe I'm just going to aim a little lower. I'm just going to try and, you know, get a, a, a modicum of happiness in this life and then, you know, try to be, you know, just good enough to get into heaven for the next life, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so for the most part, people say things like this. Well, I can be rich just as long as I'm not too attached to my money. And I can, you know, be praised by people and, and not um, ever criticized by people. As long as, you know, I'm not doing anything really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jesus goes on and he says, woe to you, rich. Yeah. Woe to you who are, you know, when men praise you. Um, he wants to teach us there's no sitting on the fence. That it's an all or nothing prospect. And we have to put all our hope in the life to come, you know. Um, now, that doesn't mean we won't um, sometimes have comforts and consolations in this life. But to the extent that we do, those comforts and consolations all have to, in our hearts, be seen in the perspective of eternity, you know, where I don't put my hope for happiness in money in this life or my hope for happiness in the praise of men in this life and so forth. Yeah. I mean, we can really kid ourselves, can't we, in in saying – I was uh, talking about this in a a different interview not too long ago that – uh, it it can be easy to say, yeah, I have all these comforts, but they don't mean anything to me. When actually, mm-hmm. if we really probe deep down into into our hearts, um, they really would mean a lot yeah. more than we're willing to admit. Yeah, that's really true. That's really true. One of the things I I ask people is I ask them, how much effort do you put into obtaining the goods of this life, and how much do you think about them? Those are two pretty good indications where your heart really is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, let's continue to look at these um, to to get a more foundational understanding of the Beatitudes, because it is interesting. We've been talking about Matthew and Luke, and um, they're different. I mean, they're similar, but there are definitely some real real differences <clears throat> in what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew and then in the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. Um, can yes. you talk about those and why it might be that they are different? Yes, absolutely. So both St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas are of the opinion that those were two different sermons. And you alluded to that fact. You said, well, Luke's was on, given on the plain mm-hmm. and Matthew's was given on the mountain. huh? So if you look carefully at the language, um, Matthew says that Jesus went up the mountain, and his disciples came to him. So Matthew's uh, Sermon on the Mount, which is much more intricate, detailed, kind of spiritually lofty, 
um, and includes eight Beatitudes. Matthew's Sermon on the Mount seems to have been given to those who are already disciples of Jesus, whereas Luke's Sermon on the Mount, it says very clearly, was given to the crowds. So it looks like Jesus gave a kind of a simpler homily to the crowds in front of him. Then he went up to the top of the mountain where he expounded on that in greater detail to those who were already his disciples. So that accounts, first of all, for the the differences we find in the two sermons. Now, when it comes to the Beatitudes in particular, um, Luke's Beatitudes differ from Matthew's in some striking ways. There's only four Beatitudes in Luke, and in Matthew there's eight. But when Luke speaks about um, the Beatitudes, he'll just say, blessed are you poor. Mm. He doesn't say blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He uses the second person, you poor. Um, Now, why would Jesus do that? In my opinion, it's because those crowds had already been following Jesus for three days, and they had given up work, they'd given up food, they were hungry, they were thirsty, but they showed by their actions already, they loved the Word of God, they loved to hear Jesus, they loved the gospel. So Jesus didn't need to tell them about poverty of spirit. He knew they were poor in spirit because they were already giving up their what little resources they had for the sake of hearing the Word of God. And so he says to them directly, blessed are you poor. The ones right in front of me, not everyone who's poor, but you who are right in front of me because you've shown by your actions you're poor in spirit. And he says, blessed are you who are hungry now, right? You show that they were hungry more for the Word of God than they were for, for food of the body, and so forth. And so he, he, in each case, the crowd that's right in front of him has already shown by their actions that they have the right disposition of spirit, but they also have the corresponding experience of body, you know, of poverty, mm-hmm. hunger, and so forth. Well, thank you so much, Father Sebastian Walsh. You can find his book, Heart of the Gospel, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Mike Aquilina joins us next. It's a quarter till. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. 
Wings is a weekly newsletter that's packed with program information, features, and updates of all that's going on at EWTN. To sign up, go to EWTN.com, click subscribe, enter your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. Get your wings today. It's the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. We thank you for joining on this us on this. You are joining us on this Tuesday, the 14th of November. There we got it. Here's Anna with headlines. The Custos of the Holy Land saying life is sacred as he appeals for indiscriminate bombing in Gaza to stop. Meanwhile, the White House says an American toddler is among the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. And the U.S. bishops begin their meetings in their fall General Assembly in Baltimore today. Next newscast coming up at the top of the hour. It is 12 till. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to catch up with Mike Aquilina, who's written all kinds of things about patristics, but also has a podcast with Catholic Culture, and it is called The Way of the Fathers. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. You've done a lot on the various cities that were central to the early church. Alexandria has got to be on that list, even though it got kind of wiped out at one point. So how did Christianity get to Alexandria, and how did it become such a big deal, this city and the ancient Christian church? Well, it became a big deal because uh, it was founded to be a big deal by one of the singular figures of human history, and that was Alexander the Great, uh, you know, the the, the man who, who conquered the world before his 30th birthday and uh and he found and then promptly died of course so he left the cities to be ruled by others alexander had no heir at the time of his death so alexandria was the place of his tomb it was the place where he was buried and um and it became the cultural capital of the world it became uh, a um a mercantile city. It became a military city. It became uh, a cultural city. It became a, a city of research and 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 just uh, throve in every way. Uh, there's a there's um the 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 uh, the line of of kings that were established there after Alexander uh, came from one of his uh, one of his generals, Ptolemy. So after Alexander came uh, a line of kings uh, descended from one of his generals, Ptolemy, and they they were known as the Ptolemies. They were great promoters of the arts and of culture, and especially of books. And Alexandria was the greatest library of the ancient world, and it became legendary, and the goal was to have every book in the world resident on the shelves of that library. And so... So uh, Alexandria became famous as a center of learning. The other thing is that that scholars could live there tax-free. That's how much they valued scholarship. And, and so scholars came from all around the world to live in Alexandria. Now, Christianity came about, uh, you know, some 300 and some years into, into uh, Alexandria's history. And by then, Alexandria was already renowned. And Alexandria already had an enormous Jewish population, 10% of the city. And there were two major neighborhoods that were, that were Jewish neighborhoods. And so it was, it was natural, you know, for these 
these first Christians, that first generation, to find their way to Alexandria on their way anywhere else. It was a port city as well. So if you were the Apostle Thomas and you wanted to get to India, you kind of had to get your ship there in, uh, in Alexandria. So, so everybody found their way there. Uh, eventually it became associated with the evangelist Mark. But then after that, there's just an explosion of celebrity Christians from the first several centuries who lived there and, uh, and made a name um, for the city as a Christian capital. And those are names that we've talked about a lot here. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, yes. In terms of you know people like Origen of Alexandria and many others. I mean, who are some of those names? Yeah. Well, uh, very early on, there was Pantanus, who was a who was a Sicilian, but found his way to Alexandria, as many intellectuals did, because that's where you could live tax free and you could be around other scholars and you could have every book in the world at your disposal. So Pantanus found his way there, founded a school there, but eventually Pantanus went and evangelized India from Alexandria. So so after Pantanus came. Clement of Alexandria, one of the major figures of the late second century in the church. And after him came Origen, you know, one of the giants of antiquity, the greatest biblical scholar of the early church, perhaps, uh, the man who did the first critical edition of the Bible in many languages. Um, uh, after Origen, you know, you have names like Athanasius and Cyril, Didymus the Blind, all of these major figures of of early Christianity. And uh, we, we can't really imagine the faith as it is today without the developments that were introduced by these Alexandrian Christians. That's how gigantic they are. The, every, so many of the things that we value today as Christians were, were emphasized by the Alexandrian church, and then that just spread to the entire church on earth, the Catholic church. Um, so, so, yeah, it's... it's, it's it's hard to overestimate Alexandria. <laughs> you know, you, it, it's just so valuable in the history of the church. Well, you mentioned this library where they wanted to get every book that had ever been written in the whole wide world into this library. Unfortunately, you cannot go visit it today, can you? No, and that's the sad sort of ending to the story of Alexandria, is that, uh, is that at the time... Uh, of the Arab invasions, the city the city fell and uh, and gradually just continued to fall until until so many things were gone. The last the the, the library at Alexandria had been burned several times down through history, uh, so it, it it was gradually diminished. But the final diminishment of it was um, was its destruction uh, during the Arab invasions. Uh, so so that is no longer there. Uh, Christianity, though, has persevered in a very tough people in Alexandria, that there is a, a, a small Christian minority that continues to live there and has continued there uh, through centuries of persecution on and off, big and small, uh, but but they've they've managed to to uh, to endure there, and they're heroic, and they deserve our admiration. We've got your Way of the Fathers podcast for CatholicCulture.org, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com, so people can hear a lot more about Alexandria. Mike Aquilina, thanks so much as always. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Notice he said Alexandria, not Alexandretta, which is the uh, the, the place that uh, was supposedly connected to the Holy Grail in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Alexandretta. So Alexandretta. I can just hear Sean Connery saying it right now. Uh, 
at any rate. I got nothing. We've been so. watching a lot of Star Wars lately at my house. Yeah, have you now? Yeah. Have you now? Yeah. Roma's really into Star Wars. The boys, they Freddie kept asking me, he wanted to watch. I want the movie with the ATAT walkers. And I was like Oh, so it's Empire Strikes Back. Well, I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, come on. And he goes, the one with the ATAT walkers. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Talk to your dad. <laughs> of course, his dad was yeah, a Will would know. Time, we'll be so. able to sort it out. So the uh, the one thing that I did want to mention to you, Anna Mitchell, is that Mike uh, is talking about the way of the father's podcast and mm-hmm. how, you know, it's a fabulous he's been doing podcast. that. It's a fabulous yeah. podcast. He's done like. I don't know, 100 and some episodes of that yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, They're all free, he, by the way. <clears throat> they are through yeah. catholicculture.org uh, and check it out. It turns out he's actually, um, Mike is winding down and passing the baton on the Way of the Father's podcast. All those episodes will still be up. Um, Who's he passing it to? Do you want to guess? Okay. You should guess. All right. Um, Think about somebody who's a Sunrise Morning Show friend who okay. is also really good at Church Father's stuff. Jim Papandrea? Yes. <gasps> Jim Papandrea is cool? taking over the way of the, the, way father's, the father's podcast? podcast? He's like the perfect person to do it. Wow. So, of course, yeah, he and Mike have good. collaborated on a few projects. I mean, I'll be sad well. to miss Mike, but... Well, you won't miss Mike. I love listening be to Mike's regular voice. Stuff on the well, yeah, Sunrise Morning Show. They both will. But how cool is that? Cool. Yeah, that's Anytime awesome. anything like cool is going on, we either know the person doing it or we're like two moves away from the person because mm-hmm. like we're trying to extend the Sunrise Morning Show. So They're I like consider this sunrise a victory for the adjacent. Sunrise Morning Show. Yeah. I consider this a victory for our, That's for our awesome. Sunrise team. Absolutely. Very cool. We got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after the break. For many of you listening across EWTN, it's three minutes till. We continue on this Tuesday, the 14th of November, by praying a prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas for students, as many of them trying to wrap up lots of work ahead of Thanksgiving. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, divine creator, true source of light and fountain of wisdom. Pour forth your brilliance upon my dense intellect. Dissipate the darkness which covers me, the double darkness of sin and ignorance. Grant me a penetrating mind to understand a retentive memory, method and ease in learning, the lucidity to comprehend, and abundant grace in expressing myself. Guide the beginning of my work, direct its progress, and bring it to successful completion. This I ask through Jesus Christ, true God and true man, living and reigning with you and the Father forever and ever. Amen. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. I know... uh, not only are there a lot of students at the elementary, middle, high school, college level, grad school level, trying to wrap up a whole bunch of academic stuff before Thanksgiving, I know their teachers are too. So an extra prayer for you all as well. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got our live stream up and running. You can watch the video in the show notes at Sunrise Morning Show. 
com. Up this hour, we'll talk to Giovanna Trimpi and Jane Murphy. Uh, you may have heard of Giovanna's books, uh, the Holy Chow series. Holy Chow Hospitality is the latest one, and it's going to be a great conversation ahead of Thanksgiving coming up next week. Dina Dwyer Owens is going to have some advice for busy moms balancing all kinds of obligations, but also making family the most important thing. Dina's got some experience. She's all kinds. Of, she's got all kinds of successes and failures to share with you. And then Steve Ray uh, continues our series on the mysteries of the rosary. Chris McGregor also will look at a second century sermon on hope as we continue our series with her on the office of readings. So lots to get to on a Tuesday morning. Two minutes past news, a service of central fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Israeli forces are continuing to advance in Gaza. The White House says an American toddler is among the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters a three-year-old U.S. citizen whose parents were killed by Hamas during the October 7th attacks in Israel is believed to be among the more than 200 hostages. Sullivan said securing the release of all hostages is a paramount priority for the White House. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed for the indiscriminate bombing of Gaza to stop. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The Custos of the Holy Land, Father Francesco Patton, has reiterated that the fighting in the Strip must spare civilian lives. Tutti quanti cooperino per far cessare. Everyone must cooperate to stop the bombing of civilians. We must begin to consider the human person as sacred again. The Italian Franciscan friar participated in the 16th day of the Association of the Holy Land, which took place at the Pontifical University Antonianum in Rome on the 11th of November. In an interview he granted to Vatican News on the sidelines of the event, Father Patton stressed the urgent need to save and protect all human lives, which he recalled are sacred for Jews, Christians and Muslims. Asked about the situation of the small Christian community living under the bombs in Gaza, most of which is currently sheltering in the Roman Catholic Church of the Holy Family, Father Patton expressed his hope that at least places of worship are respected. As for the future, the Cassus said he feared that once the war is over, there will be a new exodus of Christians. Many no longer feel safe, especially those who have families who do not want their children to grow up in an environment of hatred, he explained. However, Father Patton highlighted that it is vital for Christians to stay, also noting that they have an important role to play as bridges between Palestinians and Israelis. If they leave, he said, the space for coexistence will be further reduced. I am Lisa Zingarini. Several National Guard units will assist D.C. police with today's March for Israel rally on the National Mall. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser told reporters yesterday that the National Guard will be deployed at certain traffic safety points, redirecting vehicles and blocking intersections. About 60,000 people are expected for today's rally, which is scheduled to begin at 1 o'clock. A British infant has died after being taken off life support by court order. The Catholic News Agency reports Indy Gregory died in her mother's arms in hospice in the overnight hours Monday. She was eight months old. The Italian government had granted her Italian citizenship and offered 
to pay to have her transported to the Vatican Children's Hospital, Bambino Jesu, but her parents lost their appeal in a UK court and she was taken off life support over the weekend. The U.S. bishops begin their fall general assembly in earnest today. They gathered together for mass and prayer in Baltimore yesterday on the feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. The mass was offered for peace and reconciliation in a troubled world. USCCB President Archbishop Timothy Broglio said in his homily, quote, St. Francis Cabrini even obliged the poor to give from their poverty to help those more needy than they. It was also a way of insisting on the dignity of all and the common responsibility for others. It is a message that is very appropriate today and every day, he said. Charity demands our attention to the little ones, the weak, the simple, fraternal correction, and unlimited pardon to those who ask, end quote. The public sessions of the bishop's meeting take place today and tomorrow and will be live streamed on the USCCB site. And President Biden will meet face-to-face with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco tomorrow. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters the two leaders will discuss some of the most fundamental elements, as he put it, in the relationship between Washington and Beijing. The U.S. is hoping to resume military communications that were broken off after Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan last year. Today is Tuesday, November the 14th. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We'll be right back with Giovanna Trimpe and Jane Murphy. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. And bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius and inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show here in studio, Giovanna Trimpe and Jane Murphy. They are here to talk about their joint effort. A new cookbook, Holy Chow Hospitality, and it's a cookbook full of reflections on the theme of hospitality. You can find it online at holychowcookbooks.com. Giovanna, Jane, so good to see you. Thank you for coming in. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Giovanna, Mm -hmm. you have been on the show any number of times, um, and this is now the third installment in what I'm calling the Holy Chow movement. That's right. That's a good word. <laughs> I'm like a big that. fan of both uh, the original Holy Chow and the gluten-free Holy Chow cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Use them both uh, quite a bit. What made you want to have a cookbook that focused on mm-hmm. this theme of hospitality? Good question. I really did not want to do this book, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my friend um, approach me in church 
where you know how can you say no in church, right? Yeah, it's and true. She, she asked me I should, that she told me that I should write a book about hospitality, and I said, oh my gosh, no, I don't think so. I don't want it, this. I'm done. Well, about a month later, she approached me again, and I think the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, mm. "Give her a chance. Listen to her." So we, I did, and I said, "Jane, if you, because I know she's a great writer, she's an amazing writer. She um, has a master in English literature." So I said, "Jane, we are going to write this book. We are going to write the book, nice. not Sweet. just me, <laughs> right?" And that's how it started. And that's and awesome. I, you know, hospitality is really an art but it, it's it's gone hospitality yeah. is just gone people it's a don't lost art yeah they don't even understand what that means sometimes they'll ask yeah. me so what do you mean i said well invite your new friend your new neighbor bring him over bring him some cookies or just perhaps the other day I, I let somebody in in my line i was at walgreens and he had one product in his hand so i said you can go ahead i had 10 well, happens to take even longer than went with one product in my basket. <laughs> but you know what? I was happy. He was so thankful. He kept saying thank you, thank you. I said, I said that's fine, thank you. So anyway, um, I think hospitality needs to be uh, just bring it back, yeah. bring it back. Absolutely. So uh, there are pages of recipes, and uh, each one coupled with a a reflection on scripture which jane you wrote so tell us about these reflections and and how you how you went about writing all of them well um giovanna and i have joked that we have really kind of embraced the martha mary roles throughout working on this (laughs) and i get to be mary so that means i have gotten to sit at the feet of christ so Mm -hmm. i've spent a lot of time in eucharistic adoration thinking about the times that Jesus was both host and guest. Mm. And there's a lot of them. The man went out to eat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, if you go through the scriptures, things are around the meal. Our faith centered around a meal. So I spent time kind of looking where did these give and take. Like hospitality comes from guest-host relationship or guest stranger, making a stranger a friend. It's like, Mm. when did Jesus do that? When did he experience that? And then kind of thought about, what keeps me from doing it? Well, it's silly things like, um, I'm embarrassed of my couch, or (laughs) my food isn't as good as Giovanna's. I can't keep my kids from putting their toys on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's the little things. And then you look at what Jesus you know, is telling us, it's like, move beyond that. Hospitality, a lot of it comes down to works of mercy, reaching out Mm -hmm. to others, putting others first, and serving their needs. And it has been such a blessing working with Giovanna and just looking at, we need to be together. Um, You know, the theology of the body. We're made for relationship with God, and we're made for relationship with each other, and we are in a time of great division, covid moved us farther apart. People are lonely. I was blessed to sit with the scriptures and say, all right, Jesus, when were you lonely? When did you reach out to the lonely? How do we do that today? That's How do we get past our own little quirks mm-hmm. and extend mercy, do those acts of mercy, extend hospitality? And I have to admit, I am rather grateful for the appendix in this cookbook, how to set a formal table, a checklist (laughs) on 
how to provide good hospitality, mm -hmm. ways that you can make your guests more comfortable, how to serve a multi-course meal, what? I've been to a Giovanna <laughs> multi-course meal and like even I can do this, Giovanna, I'm Thank not you. really sure. I'm how sure did, you can. How did you come up with the recipes that you wanted to put in this cookbook? You know, it, was, it wasn't too hard because we started watching my favorite movie, The Chosen. Oh, nice. And so I, we were watching, I was watching every movement they made with food every time they had a party or get together. And the main thing was wine, mm. <laughs> not water, wine. Yes. The water was like, uh-uh, I don't think so. The wine was like the, the uh, wedding of Cana was my favorite ever part in the movie. So we took ideas from them. But also just the first few recipes are easy that, that Jesus would be eating at the time in, in those mm. times. Um, and so I started thinking about that, looking up, researching what would they would have eaten. So that's how I came up with most of them. And then uh, Jane has some as well. And I had a couple of friends who uh, did um, some of the desserts. Now, of course, they wouldn't have that at the time. But, and I also had um, my, well, the ribs in the back. Oh, well, Ooh. I don't think Jesus would have eaten pork at the time. But, well, you know, but I think he would have liked mine, I think, you know. <laughs> You go with what you have. You go right. with what you have. That's right. Yeah. Come up. We've been talking to Giovanna Trimpe and Jane Murphy. The book is called Holy Chow Hospitality. <laughs> Wonderful, delicious recipes and beautiful reflections on the theme of hospitality. And again, go to holychowcookbooks.com. You can pick up a copy and get free shipping, I yes. saw, on the website. So free delivery. Even better than Amazon. <laughs> Holy Chow Hospitality, oh. Giovanna, Jane, it was so good to have you. Thank you for coming Thank in. You. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. And uh, correction, I just said Holy Chow Cookbooks. I meant holychowbooks.com is the website to go to. Holy Chow Books, or you can just Google, I'm sure, Holy Chow Hospitality, and it'll come right up. So thank you so much again, Giovanna and Jane. We'll be back right after this with headlines. It's 16 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan double. MediShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. 
Each week on The World Over, Raymond Arroyo challenges listeners and viewers with important political and cultural reporting and analysis of a wide variety of topics of interest to Catholics and people of faith. And you can get news from The World Over in your inbox every week. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Eighteen minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Israeli forces continue to advance in Gaza and the White House is saying an American toddler is among the hostages being held by Hamas. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed for the indiscriminate bombing in Gaza to stop. And the U.S. bishops begin their fall General Assembly in earnest today. All I can think of when anybody says the word earnest around this time of year yeah. is the most underrated Christmas movie of all time, which would be Ernest Saves Christmas. And uh, just I think reminder, we spell earnest differently. It doesn't matter to me. It sounds the same on the radio. Okay, fair enough. But I will begin in earnest. Uh, actually, I've already been praying for the bishops in this meeting. I know that there's always a lot on the agenda. Mm-hmm. I understand about 10% of it because, you know, uh, their uh, bureaucracy and administrative matters are not like my favorite thing to do. Anna Mitchell, I would often rather have my, you know, toe run over by well, a wheelbarrow see, the full thing of bricks is, is than most go to a meeting. Of this but... is not going to be bureaucracy and administrative matters. I mean, they got some heavy matters. stuff on the agenda. There are some really consequential things that are on the agenda, not least of which, this is something that I talked about with Father Patrick Briscoe from our Sunday Visitor, is uh, the faithful citizenship document. And and by proxy— Especially after some major losses in major pro-life questions. Exactly. Exactly. Because we are looking around at what has happened in—I mean, here in Ohio— It is unbelievable to me in a state that has been dominated by red politics. I mean, like our General Assembly, our governor, all the statewide offices, all Republican, all Republican, voted overwhelmingly for President Trump the last election, just enshrined abortion in the state constitution. But what does that tell you? It tells us that people don't understand the issue. They don't understand the stakes. They exactly. Don't and it tells you that Catholics may not either. And it was very clear from a bunch of kerfuffle uh, that blew up you know, a few months ago that President Trump himself didn't understand the question yeah. of what would happen and what people were trying to well, do. Well, this is what I mean, so. is that the we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah. I mean, faithful Catholics united here in Ohio, but there are a lot of... You know, fringe Catholics that don't understand still. How deep our pro-life convictions go. We got to figure out how to communicate that. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin flavored and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I am Bishop Roger Foyes of the Diocese of Covington with a reading from The Imitation of Christ. If only I could find you alone, O Lord, and tell you all that is in my heart, then I could enjoy you as much as my soul desires. Then you only would speak to me and I to you as a lover does to a beloved or a friend to a good friend. This is my one desire and what I pray for to be entirely united to you and to withdraw my heart from all created things that by holy communion and the frequent offering of Mass I may learn ever to delight in the eternal things of heaven. Dear Lord, when shall I be completely one with you and entirely forgetful of myself? You in me and I in you. I am Bishop Roger Foyes of the Diocese of Covington for Sacred Heart Radio. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dina Dwyer Owens, former chairwoman and CEO of Neighborly. She's an author, speaker, and you can download her Create Your Culture or Your Better Future workbooks over at her site, dinadwyerowens.com. Good morning, Dina. Good morning, Annie. It is good to have you. And I know you are getting ready to give a talk to a group of Catholic women about juggling life while remaining committed to practicing your faith. So many women, working women, moms, uh, find it so hard to keep it all together sometimes. So how have you been reflecting on this, Dina? It's such a, a wonderful topic, yeah. <laughs> as, you, as you know, uh, being the, the mother of young children. And so I, you know, it just came to me, there, there's one simple word that I think about when I'm trying to stay focused on making sure my day, I'm putting God first in my day, because when we do that, everything else seems to, to go much better. Mm-hmm. And it's the word arise. So arising in the morning, you know, just focused on um, the priorities, so I can step through those with you if you like, kind Please. of each of the uh, the letters there. So the A stands for just um, adding a, a daily Mass. doesn't mean you have to go to Mass every day, but I find that that extra day of daily Mass, of course, I typically go five to six days a week now, and I have no excuse, Annie. There are Masses all over Waco <laughs> at all <laughs> times of the day. So even when I worked, you know, there was really no reason I couldn't make a daily Mass. So that that's the A in the word arise. And then the R is for reading Scripture, even if it's 10 minutes a day. And, you know, today you can listen to Scripture while you're driving to the office and you're going to pick up your kids from soccer practice or whatever it might be. It's so easy to do now, whether you just go to, um, gosh, Ascension and and listen to the Bible in a year, or even go to YouTube, right, and just put on the Gospel of John. It's it's really it's really so easy. There's there's no reason we shouldn't be studying scripture at least ten minutes a day. Yeah. And the I is for inviting the Holy Spirit into every decision. And I never used to think about that. You know, even getting ready for this speech tomorrow, I just keep praying to the Holy Spirit to just give me give me the right words, right, for the, these women and what they need to be hearing that day. 
and hopefully, you know, something will sink in and, and make their lives better. So just, you know, invoking and inviting the Holy Spirit into every decision. And then the S is for spiritual direction. And I know that um, every community has spiritual directors, and it doesn't mean that you have to meet with them weekly, right? Even if yeah. you meet with somebody quarterly or biannually, I find that to be very helpful. And you can do that in conjunction with a retreat. We've, we've talked many times about the importance of getting away on a retreat. In fact, as, as I think about retreats that I've been on, they're really the best vacations <laughs> that I've taken. <laughs> well, That's where you actually time. get the rest, huh? It's, well, it's amazing, and it's yeah. peaceful. So, you know, we spend so much time getting ready for vacations, and then we're exhausted when we get back from vacation. You know, a lot of the, the, the typical vacations we take. Um, but retreats are just a beautiful way to get closer to Christ, and um, and that's something that we can plan ahead, right? So as you, as, as you would a vacation, plan ahead to be part of a retreat. And it doesn't have to be a retreat that's uh, a plane, plane right away. It could be a retreat in your backyard. And then the E stands for Eucharistic Adoration. Uh, I'm so impressed. My parish has also uh, got a school. And it's so beautiful to see these mothers, either before they drop their kids off at school, they come by um, for adoration. Five minutes. I mean, they just drop in, they get on their knees, <laughs> they pray, mm-hmm. and they leave. Or after they drop the kids off, the moms come back, and they, you know, they, they may only sit in the pew for five or ten minutes. But they're making an effort to, to get quiet with Christ and that's just a beautiful way to start your day. So that's the word I've come up with that I'm going to I'm going to share with the women tomorrow is just arise. Spend every day arising and thinking about those things you can do to get in greater communion with our Lord. That's awesome. And Dina, I know you're a mom. Uh you also were the CEO of a major national company and I don't know if you were always um, committed to to your faith throughout that time that you headed up the Dwyer Group when it was known as the Dwyer Group back then. Um, but I know for at least a good chunk of your time as CEO of the Dwyer Group, you were very much committed to your Catholic faith because that's how we discovered you here on the Sunrise Morning Show mm-hmm. is when uh, you were on national television on Undercover Boss. And, and that episode began with you attending mass before going into work and and starting your time going undercover with with these folks in the service industry that were were working in your franchises. I mean, how did you do that as a mom who was a major CEO uh, wanting to stay committed to your faith? It's all about planning and prioritizing your time. It's interesting you would, you would ask that because I thought to myself this morning before our call, I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm amazed when I think back uh, of, of my years as CEO and how I made it such a priority to spend time with God, even for my kids, you know, so it's we could talk a lot about that, but I had to plan so carefully. And when you get really good at planning and prioritizing, it typically only took me 30 minutes at the end of a week to be very thoughtful about my next week and, and plan out those times that I would attend daily Mass, even when I was traveling for business. One of the joys of each trip that I took was finding the nearby Catholic Church, which was already on my itinerary. My assistant um, became very proficient at finding the nearby <laughs> Catholic churches and when the daily Masses were, That's awesome. um, because I wanted to make Mass. And that just was so much fun to go visit these beautiful churches and to, to feel at home in every community I went to, regardless of whether it was in the U.S. or outside of the U.S., yeah. Um, even in Beijing, China, wow. I found a Catholic church to attend Mass. So it's all about prioritizing. Um, you know, just like the Gospel today in Luke, um, where the king was inviting the people to come to the dinner, right? 
Mm-hmm. And people had, had excuses, and some of the excuses were really good. Yeah. But there's plenty, plenty of time to get it all in. And when we put God first, it's amazing how all the other things, again, just seem to go so much better. Arise, everyone. Attend daily Mass. Read Scripture 10 minutes a day. Invite the Holy Spirit into every decision. Get spiritual direction and Eucharistic adoration. It's a great list, Dina. We will be praying for your talk, praying that the Holy Spirit is with you and all of those women. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today with us. Thank you, Annie. You keep up the God work. And you do the same, Dina. Thank you very much. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed that indiscriminate bombing in Gaza stop, saying life is sacred. Father Francesco Paton spoke to Vatican News and expressed fear that the small Christian population in the Holy Land will dwindle even further with a new exodus from the region once the conflict ends. He said Christians must be deeply convinced that being Christian in the Holy Land and throughout the Middle East is a special calling, a kind of vocation, and not a curse. But he said, quote, many no longer feel safe, especially those who have families who do not want their children to grow up in an environment of hatred where there is no mutual acceptance between peoples of different ethnic and religious backgrounds, end quote. Meanwhile, the White House says an American toddler is among the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters a three-year-old U.S. citizen whose parents were killed by the militant group during the October the 7th attacks in Israel is believed to be among the more than 200 hostages. Sullivan said securing the release of all hostages is a paramount priority for President Biden. A small number of hostages have been released so far since the start of the war last month. I'm Mark Mayfield. Congress will take up the issue of combating veteran homelessness thanks to a new bipartisan bill. Democrat Josh Harder of California is joining with Florida Republican Byron Donalds to introduce a bill which streamlines communication between the Department of Housing and Urban Development and the Department of Veterans Affairs. In a statement, Donald said the bipartisan bill, quote, helps ensure our government is working for those who fought for it, end quote. A British infant has died after being taken off life support by court order. The Catholic News Agency reports Indy Gregory died in her mother's arms in hospice in the overnight hours Monday. She was eight months old. The the Italian government had granted her Italian citizenship and offered to pay to have her transported to the Vatican Children's Hospital. But her parents lost their appeal and she was taken off life support over the weekend. U.S. bishops begin their fall general assembly in earnest today. They gathered together for mass and prayer in Baltimore yesterday on the feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. They begin the public sessions of their meetings today, and those will run through tomorrow and will be live streamed on the USCCB website, usccb.org. Pope Francis met yesterday with members of the School Sisters of Notre Dame, thanking them for making Christ visible by their faith, hope, and charity. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Recalling the foundress's legacy, the Pope told the sisters, it is my hope that you will continue to draw inspiration from the legacy of your foundress whose anniversary of beatification occurs on the 17th of November, the closing date of their general chapter. The Pope said that this is his hope, especially as they gather to give thanks to Almighty God for his blessings past and present and to discern the future path of their congregation. Blessed Teresa's life, the Pope said, was a testament to the transformative power of faith, the courage to forge new paths, and dedication to educating young people. Recalling that she grounded the congregation in the Eucharist, anchored it in poverty, and dedicated it to Mary, the Pope praised the sisters and their congregation for walking in her footsteps. This firm foundation, the Pope highlighted, has allowed the school sisters of Notre Dame to go out into the whole world and bear witness to the gospel, making Christ visible by their presence, faith, hope, and charity. The Pope praised the sisters for long having been pioneers in embracing the prophetic dimension of consecrated life, which is a living memorial of Jesus' way of living and acting. Your dedication in this regard, the Pope said, is a sign not only of the gift you have made of yourselves to the Lord, but also of your availability to serve in Him. The Holy Father invited them to discern how they can more effectively bear witness to the joy of the gospel. Pope Francis concluded by thanking the sisters for their visit and praying that the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church, protect and help them and be their sure guide on the path. La Virgen Maria, Madre de la Chiesa, vi protega. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. After a win in Ohio, pro-abortion activists are now targeting the state of Florida. A political group is urging the Florida Supreme Court to approve a proposed amendment to ensure abortion access statewide. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. The it's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. Where do we get our strength? If you had asked Popeye the sailor, he would say you get it by eating spinach. If you asked an Olympic athlete, he or she would say they ate their Wheaties. But if you ask St. Paul, he says his strength comes from Jesus Christ. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses and insults, hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul presents his limitations as opportunities for God to do great things for him. Paul gives us all an important lesson on life. Material or financial success are passing realities. What one needs to focus on is his spiritual strength. If we are spiritually strong, there is nothing that will ultimately destroy us. Spiritual strength requires humility. We have to know our weaknesses and our sins. It's only then that we can realize that we can only thrive with God. For all of our successes, give God the glory and give God the praise. He desires that we accomplish great things, but we can do it only with his grace. And we hear this 
from the heart of St. Paul. Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 14th of November. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com, and we've been taking uh, several segments at this point uh, to look at the mysteries of the rosary, and today we are finally on the glorious mysteries, how the whole thing wraps up. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Always good to be with you on Tuesday mornings at 7.35. Set that alarm, man. So, uh, you know, you had, uh, you know, I, I suppose we, you know, if you read evening prayer correctly, we pray prayers related to death uh, every night before we go to bed, um, which makes sense that we would talk about resurrection first thing in the morning. So what do you want to highlight about this first glorious mystery? Well, one of the things that's important to remember is that it wasn't just Jesus that rose from the dead. It was He didn't do it himself. All three of the persons of the Trinity do everything together. They're all involved in the, the work of redemption and creation, too, for that matter. So all three persons of the Trinity were involved. You can find it. Jesus said, I will raise myself. The Father raised him. The Holy Spirit raised him in uh, Romans chapter 8. And it is unquestionable. Uh, that he did raise. There's a lot of speculation by people that he really didn't raise. He just swooned. He just fell asleep in there and then he came back alive later. But there was no question. The Roman soldiers knew that he had died and everybody knew that he had died. And many books have been written. There's quite a few that are by attorneys who tried to prove that he never really died and ended up concluding that he did and that he rose from the dead. So this is really important to remember that the resurrection was really a dead body in a tomb, clammy and dead. The soul was gone, separated from the body. And Jesus, by his own power and that of the Holy Spirit and the Father, he rose again. That dead, clammy body got warm. Blood started to flow again. And actually, all the blood had drained out, hadn't it, because of the crucifixion. There was he, His body was pretty bloodless by then. But his body came back, blood filled it, and he was warm and the body alive, and he rose from the dead. And that's what we need to remember, that this was a real resurrection, which then knows, gives us the hope that he's going to do the same thing for us on the day of resurrection. Well, and that real body who really rose from the dead really did ascend into heaven, which is a very interesting kind of thing to process because that's also part of our destiny. It quite is. And uh, that's what the angel said. He who has gone up into heaven, why do you stand up there looking into heaven? That's really kind of a silly question, isn't it? You know, Jesus is always on the ground and all of a sudden he starts going up, up, up. And the last thing they see is the bottom of his dirty feet. And he goes up into a cloud and the angel says, why are you guys looking up into the cloud? Well, because he just went up there. and uh, But the angel made the point that he's going to come back again. And that's our hope that when he comes back again, he's going to take all of us with him up to be in heaven with his father. And if you want to know where Jesus went when he went into the clouds, because he went and he kind of disappeared into the clouds. They didn't see what happened beyond that. But if you go to Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14 in the Old Testament, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the son of man. He came to the ancient of days, the father and was presented before him and was given dominion and glory and a kingdom which will never be destroyed. So on the other side of the cloud, he's presented to the Father. He's given a throne and a kingdom that will have no end, and we're part of that kingdom. And he fulfills a promise to send the Holy Spirit when he returns to the Father. That's fulfilled only just nine days later. That's the third glorious mystery, the descent of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And that happened in the upper room. So when you pray this mystery, think of that four sacraments related to that one room on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. First of all, you have the institution of the priesthood, the institution of the Eucharist, the institution of confession. And now the Holy Spirit comes down, which you have to see is related to the uh, to the sacrament of confirmation. So you have the third. And also another interesting thing, the whole Old Testament was spent trying to get the Jewish people to understand there's only one God. They kept chasing after all the other gods. And finally, they get to one God. They accept that. Now the Gospels, I want to introduce you to the second person of the Trinity. We are one God, but three persons. <laughs> now, in the book of Acts, in the upper room, in the descent of the Holy Spirit, finally, God the Father introduces us to the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit, and he becomes known to us then too. So this is really the, the uh, descent of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is all tied back into the Old Testament, which is so fascinating, but we certainly don't have time to do that today. Well, there's only really one ascension in the Bible, but there are several <laughs> assumptions, and of course we talk about the assumption of Mary. If you could, just for this fourth glorious mystery, the assumption of Mary, maybe make that distinction between ascension and assumption. Good. We will all be assumed as well. Ascend means that you go up. It's a first-person active thing. He ascends by himself. He goes up with his own rocket pack, so to speak. God, Jesus does not need someone to bring him up to heaven or assume him. He goes up on his own power. The rest of us, we're not God. We don't have that kind of power to do that. So just like Enoch in the book of Genesis chapter 5, he walked with God and was not for God, took him. He also was assumed into heaven. Elijah was assumed into heaven. That means that God reaches down and picks him up and he takes him up. That's the difference between ascend and assume. All right, and then finally, this is the one where if uh, if you've told a Protestant to, they should check out the rosary because it's all biblical, they'll be like probably tracking with you up till this very last mystery of the rosary. <laughs> and then everybody's like, whoa, wait a second, you tricked me. Uh, but what's something maybe that uh, you'd like to point out today about the coronation of Mary, this fifth glorious mystery uh, that maybe we can meditate on today? There's a lot could be said, but I'm just going to come on one thing. In, Jesus was a Jewish king. When the angel came to Mary and, and Nazareth, he said, your son will sit on the throne of his father, David. I think Mary's first thought was, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be a queen. And why would Mary, the 15-year-old girl, think that when she heard that her son was going to sit on the throne of David? Because all of the kings of Judea, all the kings that sat on that throne, they put their mother as their queen. First Kings chapter 219, and this one you should follow for the coronation of Mary. This one should be written in neon lights when you pray this rosary. So Bathsheba, the mother of the king, went into Solomon, and he rose to meet her, and he bowed. That word is prostrated himself before her. Then he sat back on his throne, and he had another throne brought for the king's mother, and she sat at his right hand. So now you have the king there, and his mother is seated on another throne at his right hand. And from that point on, every king of Israel had a queen, but it was not his wife. It was always his mother. And Jesus is the best king of Israel there ever was. He's the quintessential king. If Solomon is going to do that for his mother, and Jesus is going to continue being the Jewish king, so to speak, then he's also going to seat his mother at his right hand, and that's what Jewish kings do. Indeed, and uh, there are all kinds of things to say about this, but just to get back to the example of King Solomon, King Solomon had hundreds of wives and porcupines, as it were, and uh, <laughs> which one of those would be the queen? Uh, none that's of right, them. That's right, he had 1,000 women. None yep. of those women were One, the queen. It was his mom. That's right. Uh, so, and as a matter mom? of fact, if you go through the uh, the the 
accounts in in the Old Testament that go through the lines of the kings of Israel, you don't notice them saying who their moms were. But if you look at the accounts of every single one of the kings of Judah, it always says when they became king and who their mom was. She's called the queen mother, the Gaborah, the grand or great lady. And just think of this too. If you, if a, a father, a king dies and leaves his young son, who's maybe 10 years old, and he ascends to the throne, who's going to teach him how to be king? His mother, because she's already seated there. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing to reflect upon. And there are lots of people who've done incredible stuff on this. Uh, if you want to really get into some of these things, you should check out Brant Petrie's book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary. That would give you a whole bunch of biblical insight into all of this. But you can also go to catholicconvert.com, find tons and tons of great stuff from Steve Ray. Steve, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. See you next Tuesday. All right. Until then. And we got Chris McGregor coming up next to do our daily dive into the Office of Readings. I say that. It is weekly. Some of us dive in daily, but Chris catches up with us weekly, and she'll share a second-century sermon on hope, plus headlines with Anna Mitchell after the break. It's 14 till. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child... What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1992. EWTN launches WEWN, the world's largest privately owned shortwave radio facility, to a potential worldwide listening audience of 600 million. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines. The Custos of the Holy Land has appealed for the indiscriminate bombing in Gaza to stop, saying that life is sacred and expressing fears that there will be a new exodus of, from Christians in the Holy Land. The White House says an American toddler is among the hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza, and the U.S. bishops begin their fall General Assembly meetings this morning in Baltimore. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show.
Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, my dear friend. How are you doing today? I am doing fine. Always excited to get to talk to you in an interesting one this week. This week's selection from the Office of Readings for the Wednesday of the 32nd week in Ordinary Time. And you were mentioning to me all this week, this is um, the Office of Readings in the the Ordinary Time readings taken from a second century sermon. Who wrote it? We don't know. Who? I sure would like to know. But then on the other (laughs) hand, there's something so wonderful about this because we don't know who it was. So the words have to stand even stronger. Yeah. And somehow they do for uh, 1,800 years at least. This has been such a strong sermon, a strong homily, that it it, it has been in, incarnated in the church's prayer here in the Office of Readings. And it's a beautiful reflection, isn't it? It, it really is. Can you give us a sense? You were So this is an excerpt. We're going to be focusing on one of them, but... Um, can you kind of give us an overall sense of what this sermon is about as as people track with it through the week? Yeah, I would jump in, everybody. Uh, you know, that's that's the beauty of the Office of Readings. Even online now, you can find the office mm-hmm. for today. And but I and this isn't for today. This is for tomorrow. But in this whole sermon, he's speaking. I'm I'm assuming it's a he. He's speaking to all of us. Um, how to live out the Christian life, especially in tumultuous times when we have all kinds of discord and we're fearful and we're afraid. And I mean, how do you do it in the, where you're at? And this is what the sermon from the second century is telling us. Ever ancient, ever new, huh? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this particular part that we are focusing on um, launches into a reflection on the virtue of hope. So so what is said here that really stands out to you, Chris? My goodness, it is all about uh, that hope is, is what will sustain us and not to be afraid. Mm-hmm. It's almost as though John Paul is standing on the loggia again saying, be not afraid. Yes. Because You didn't get quite the vampire voice, be not afraid. Go ahead. That, there Sorry. you go. You're very, you're very good at that. <laughs> but seriously, Dracula, what yeah. he... Yeah, what he's, it's a simple, it's just, hello, he's right at the beginning, and so, my brethren, let us do the will of the Father who has called us to life. Focus that, right? That's what all the saints tell us, to do the will of the Father. Let us try harder for virtue and abandon the bad habits which pave the way for crimes to follow. Mm-hmm. For if we try hard to do good, peace will always be with us. That is why men never, never uh, be at peace while they are dragged along by human fears. You can't have peace if you allow the human fears to drag you down. And what really stood out to me in in that particular part, Chris, is the idea of having a fear as being a bad habit. Now, that's not to say, I mean, obviously, we know that, that from a psychological standpoint, like having a reaction to something that's scary, you know, helps protect us in a way but but this but this is a deeper fear i think that that this church father is talking about here and that fear is a bad habit 
Mm-hmm. The thing is, I mean, you're right. I, I want my kids to have a fear of touching the stove. Right, exactly. Because it, w- it will hurt them. But uh, uh, the human fear, like that's how we should feel about sin. I don't want to, don't want to sin. Don't want to touch the hot stove. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to touch the hot stove. But the thing is, fear is the, is the opposite of trust. And you know, what is our Lord always calling us to trust me, Jesus, I trust you. And to remember the hope that gives us that endurance that his, his whole thing is about in, in this particular sermon about hope. Now, just, just a quick reminder, what is hope? That hope is First, that God keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. And it may not happen in our time, you know, and where we want it and how we want it, but it is always going to be better because you know that the Father loves you. He, just the fact that you're alive, he loves you and he wants to be with you. So um, we, we trust in his promises. He'll always keep them and that he's stronger and bigger than us. And what okay, a message you... for us to have as we are right on the cusp of Advent, right, Chris? I mean, as mm-hmm. as we, we talk about, and I'm sure this is something that, that you and I are, it'll definitely be discussed somewhere with someone on the Sunrise Morning Show during Advent, that that beautiful sermon from, from our boy Bernard of Clairvaux <laughs> on the three comings of Christ that, yes, okay, we're remembering Christ coming in a manger 2,000 years ago, but Christ is coming, and we have to live in that hope. In this sermon, it says, let us expect the kingdom of God hourly in love and righteousness, seeing that we do not know the day of his coming. And what are we supposed to do to keep up that hope? I think this is so interesting. Let us do penance. And and this was just kind of a thought that occurred to me while I was while I was reading this, Chris, I'm wondering if you can mm-hmm. reflect on it, that the the practice of penance can actually help us to keep up that hope. It's a reminder that Christ is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it he doesn't say this in the sermon, but a little Carmelite did about 1,800 years later. Yeah. It's called The Little Way. Yeah. In the suffering of the everyday little things, the little tiny pinpricks that may not seem like a suffering, but it's, you know, putting up with the guy you're working next to it in the cubicle who is really obnoxious and not, mm-hmm. you know, allow and, and being kind to him. Yeah. And that's a suffering. That's a penance in a way. But you do that. Um, it, we begin to change the world. It through him working through us in love, yep. right? So he's, you know, the, what, the, what the sermon is telling us, let's wipe off the slime of our slime. old sins by doing heartfelt penance with love. Let us recover yeah. our health. Yeah. Let's get better. Let's be who we're supposed to be, Absolutely. you know? It's a beautiful sermon, isn't it? It really is. And just as a little note, folks, tomorrow... Wednesday, November the 15th, is 40 days off from Christmas. So maybe a good time to do, uh, you know, kind of an Advent Lent sort of thing and maybe uh, pick a penance to do between now and Christmas to uh, just increase that hope and that longing for the coming of Christ. 
at the the Feast of the Nativity. We've been talking to Amen. Chris McGregor, and you can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thanks so much for bringing this one to our attention. Thank you for that great act of penance. I love it. What a great idea. It. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.